This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk for more information. Welcome to Three Peeps of the Podcast, the bonus show. On the evening that Dean Holden returned to Ashton Gate, two 18-year-old lads born weeks apart from each other showed a maturity beyond their years to play 99 minutes, win countless throw-ins, tackles, fouls, and demonstrate an intensity and desire that we've been missing for a while. And they saw out a 1-0 win. Only the second clean sheet of the season, but it's three points at home. Matt, how did you feel about the game? Got away with it early, didn't we? Stoke came out of the traps flying, um, and you know we we can't say anything other than um, be honest. It Stoke probably should have been at least two nil up before we'd even really got going. Um, I thought we were relatively poor for the first twenty five thirty minutes, if I'm honest with you. Um, but then it sort of shifted a gear, and, and it all stemmed from a kind of penalty incident and the crowd got up and then when the crowd got up, the players got up and from that point on, you couldn't question the desire. Quality still lacking, um, but yeah, you couldn't question the desire and, and I absolutely agree. I think the the tempo set by by Scott and Benarus, um really, you know, not, not dragged everyone else up, but it, it set a level. Um, and in the end, I think it's, it's difficult to say, did we deserve the win? No, we probably didn't. But actually, we did defend like it mattered. And the, the desire that we all want to see as fans was there. I thought the crowd was outstanding, especially Section 82. Um, and we got over the line. And, and and that was what it was about last night, wasn't it? So, yeah, all, all in all, um, it, it was much, much better. And, uh, yeah, a, a good win. Yeah. Lee's three words, desire doggedness and determination we'll bring in our guest rob at this point um rob those three words desire doggedness determination would you agree with them uh yeah i think so um morning chaps morning mate um yeah it was it as um, as matt said it, it wasn't pretty and it, it's far from the uh, finished article um my my take out was that we're not polished at all at the moment and Matt's exactly right. We could have, on another day, been you know a few goals down early. Um, so the fact that we did stay in it and and managed to sort of turn things around and, and grind it over the line, yeah, it's prom- promising signs at least. Mm. There's probably a reason why we all sound like we've been out on the sauce all night. It's because it's a really early morning podcast here. Well, early for, for some of us. Um, <laughs> some of us have been working for an hour, yeah. So I will I will warm up in a minute, I promise. Um, a bit of housekeeping. Uh, so yesterday we had a regular show of the podcast where we interviewed Jim Rollo, a Bath City legend of 20 years plus. So that one will go up later today, if not tomorrow. So please do look out for that. Any football fan will be interested in that. We had some special guests giving their views on Jim Rollo, including Ken Loach, uh, the filmmaker, a big Bath City fan, Gary Hours, AD Britton, ex-managers and player for Gary Arras and Joe Bunnell, ex-player, who um, is a good friend of Jim. So uh, thanks to everyone who got involved in that one. Um, 
just a shout out as well to the Jolly Hog boys. We, um, me and Rich were down there yesterday and we, we frequented the Jolly Hog stand. Um, and the food is top, 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 top drawer. So please do check out the Jolly Hog stand. It's under the Lansdowne um, for all your jolly needs. Um, the attendance, Matt, yesterday, they gave it out as 16,000. But I don't think it was anywhere near that personally. We When we were sat in there in the lower Lansdowne looking across to the Dolman and across to the, uh, to the South Stand where you are, and I also had a picture sent to me of the upper Lansdowne and the Lansdowne. It just didn't look anywhere near 16,000. And we were thinking it was because of these increased security checks and it would fill up. But uh, what are your views on that? Yeah, um, it, it definitely wasn't that many. Um, uh, ironically, like I said earlier on, the, the fact that there was a reduction, the noise was was great. And it always tends to be on an evening game, doesn't it? But yeah, I thought the same. I thought the, the new security protocols... Um, which need looking at. I hope the club look at it um, more so in terms of, I mean, I, I came in through the um, Winterstoke Road end um, and I think they had something like four or five people doing the actual security scan. Mm. But the bit that really beefs me is they allow people to just come in from the Holford's car park and join at the front. Um, a guy got out of a car right near the front of the queue Went to join alongside, and I said, what, what are you doing, mate? He said, what, what? What's going on? What, what's the queue for? I said, what, what do you think the queue's for? Uh, and he then proceeded to just stand there and then walk alongside me with me saying, well, mate, get to the back of the queue. Like, we haven't queued here for you to just mm. come alongside. And nobody did anything, and the stewards just allow him in. And, and I know, I don't know what they get paid. I don't know if it's volunteers for some, but it's got to be better organised, Um because it just causes frustration. Is it mandated by the uh, Football League or is it just something Ashley Gate have decided to do because of the heightened risk? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's because of the heightened risk and I think um, Ashton Gate have decided it. But as I say, it it wasn't very well organised last night and and there was quite a delay. It probably took a good good 25 minutes from from sort of the start of the queue to get through, I would say. So, yeah. Okay, uh, on to footballing matters. Rob, the team lineup was no change. Uh, were you surprised at that in terms of uh, how quick we um, were playing after the game on Saturday? Um, well, not particularly, but of course I wasn't there Saturday to uh, to see everything, but I understand it was no changes on the bench either. Hmm. Um, so there, there's always a good argument about continuity. Um, I'm sure we'll move on to potential injuries later, but whether there were or weren't, the fact that there was two games in a week, some of the substitutions, if they weren't actual injuries, are quite explainable anyway. Um, yeah. Because people coming back from injury and obviously managing workload would be the argument of changing it. Mm. But, you know, if the good feeling from Saturday, albeit a draw, was to carry forward, then picking the same team, no no problems yeah. you know, for me with that. As you say, hindsight's a wonderful thing, Matt. Um, you know, Williams was nowhere near the player he was on Saturday. I think it's one of those cases where he clearly, you know, had it up in his head what he wanted to do, but very early signs suggested that um, you know, he was he was tired mentally and physically. Yeah, and, and we've got to be really careful with Joe Williams, um, because there will be the mental things a really good point. I mean, he, he's obviously an infectious character. He's a big, big player. You you called it Saturday. Um, 
he could be the difference between us finishing mid-table and being involved in a relegation battle. But I thought it was a game, you know, he didn't need to play in last night. Um, I was a little bit surprised that Nigel Pearson didn't make some changes. And I think on the back of it, we will need to probably on Sunday. I agree with Rob about the continuity. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I got Miaka in with Nathan Baker, Callum O'Dowda and Joe Williams all having to leave the pitch. <laughs> um, and it's it's frustrating as a fan that we constantly with this team see an injury substitution game in, game out. You know, and mm. I don't know how many, I don't, I don't know whether that's unusual, but it always feels it. Um, and, you know, an example last night, Nathan Baker, when he went down, you know, I was probably a bit out of order to be fair, Nathan, but I was kind of joking, right? Not cheers, again. cheers, Nathan, wave as you go by. But you, you kind of think every time he goes down, that that's it, he's going to go off. And as he got to in front of you, he seemed to be walking fine and there was no, then no problem with it. So, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a medical person in, as I say, I'm probably being a bit unfair to him, but, you know, you do look at it and think, crikey, yeah. Gamesmanship, potentially, we'll see. Um, maybe, maybe. It's not a position you want to change, though, is it? You're sent around, uh, you know. No. So, yeah. Okay, into the first minute, a chance for Stoke. Um, they hit the post on the second bite. There was a couple of chances, really, in that first minute. Um, and, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, they were coming right at us from the first minute, Matt. Yeah, um, and it, at pace as well. Um, I thought they looked really, really good. Stoke um, early doors. I'm, I'm particularly impressed with um, Stephen Fletcher, who I'm sure is on a hell of a wage. But what I like about Fletcher is his movements very good, even if he's getting on a little bit. But he's a physical number nine as well, and he's not, he's not a big bloke. But you know, he, he makes it difficult. Um, I don't know. Was it was it the first minute that he he hit the crossbar? No, um, no. So, but what, what you know, we talk about that now. Um, the defending for that. I mean, Nathan Baker actually turns and is running towards him as such when you would have expected him to be following the flight of the ball. But yeah, I, I thought Stoke looked really, really at it right from the get go. Yeah, and Rob, we touched on Joe Williams' third minute uncharacteristic back header puts Callas in trouble, and you think that's going to be the goal for Stoke as well. Yeah, it's, um, if, if it's the one I'm, I'm thinking of, a really good save from Bentley down to his right. Um, and again, it was, as Matt said, I think he used the word alarming, and it was, you know, no sooner have you got into your seats, first of all, they've hit the post, mm. and then they've got another chance in the channel. So, uh, yeah, again, if, if that was the one, then I think it was a really good strong arm save from Bentley to keep it, keep yeah. it level. Yeah, um, in the sixth minute, they were carved open again, um, passing through through us, and it wasn't looking good. Fifteenth uh, minute, Bentley, a pass goes straight out to a Stoke player, but Fletcher is caught offside. So first first twenty minutes, Matt, it really was. Where has the team gone from Saturday? But I think we know that where they've gone, um, and it was just that they were struggling to get into the game in the same way they did at Blackburn. All over the pitch, um, we couldn't get the ball wide. I mean, they they um, they'd sort of recognised how we played the weekend. So Callum O'Dowd didn't have the space that he had. But um, you know, I, I kept sort of saying that with Joe Williams not being on his pomp, we just didn't have any kind of drive at all. Um, and and you know, in positive, we we defended really really well. But yeah, for twenty five minutes, um, 
we were all sort of around me chatting, sort of saying, this is really dull to watch. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest to say, it crossed my mind thinking, do you know what? Nigel Pearson, this just isn't happening. You know, what, what are we doing here? Um, and I thought it was going to be an absolute hammering. I really did. Do you know what? Um, you know, it was sometimes I was looking across the touchline again, talking to Dean Holden. Uh, he knows all those players inside out. So yeah. he probably set them up. He might have even picked the team and, and you know, arranged the team, obviously, with, with Michael O'Neill. But uh, I was thinking, you know, he knows his team inside out. And if you know them and know what they're going to do, then they've got the advantage. Yeah, they have. But I think you've still got to look at it and say, um, it doesn't, doesn't matter what formations you play. If you give the ball away yeah, true. Um, and you don't find your passes, then you're going to struggle. And, and you know, I, I keep saying it, and it feels like I say it on every podcast, but... That's our DNA. Our DNA is that we just don't keep possession of the ball. Um, so many times, and, it, and it's great defending at times, but actually there's also times at the back where you just want them to put the foot on it and play a little five-yard pass rather than just kind of clear it and get the pressure back. So I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. He will have known the style of player that we've got and, and how we were probably going to set up, but I didn't think we helped ourselves at all. No. 21st minute was the catalyst, and you've mentioned this already. So Williams to Calamo Dauda. Um, again, the sort of ball we we loved from Saturday, Williams finding out Dauda with, with pace and power out wide. Um, he skips past the player, takes it wide. A hard low ball is cut out, um, but there was a potential handball. It was one that, you know, it was, it was a flailing arm. It was ball to hand rather than hand to ball. You've seen them given, but equally you haven't seen them given. I watched the, the replay on Sky afterwards and they were sort of saying, you know, you, we'd have been livid if we'd have had that given against us. But uh, first of all, your thoughts on the handball and then I'll come to Rob about how it be kind of catalyst. So it wasn't for me. Um, and there was a big debate in an array where we sit. Um, I, I, I think... And I might be wrong, but I think the rule has changed that if the ball deflects off a body part onto the arm, then it's not handball. Um, and I think handball has always been contentious. You know, in, our, in well, my day, not your day, I give you a few years. Um, but it always used to be, you know, deliberate handball. That that doesn't seem to be the case. But I genuinely thought it wasn't a handball. Hit his, hit his arm. His arm. Yes, his arm was in the air, but it was off his leg and hit his arm. Whereas... Um, Trino, you had on the, the the podcast, the main show um, last week, was adamant that, and in her words, he scooped the ball away. Um, and then the, the two guys behind me, Martin and Will, were adamant that it was a deliberate handball. And I, I just didn't see it. And I watched it on Quest and still didn't see him scooping it away. So, Well, his hand was in an unnatural position. His arm, if you like, was in an unnatural position. I've heard that term used before. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. I must but I think admit, he was, he was sliding. These days. <laughs> he was sliding one knee, and as I say, I think the ball hits his arm, or sorry, hits his knee or his leg, and and comes up. I think the 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 debate is whether he had a motion where his arm then moves the ball. But mm. yeah, it, it wasn't for me, and I would have been livid if that's given against us. But Rob, we've said this a million times before. It's usually a tackle or a kick in a boot away from Benarus last weekend, uh, but that was a real catalyst and a wake-up call for the players and the crowd which is often really important yeah totally agree um we we're talking about this coming out of the game yesterday actually it really doesn't take much but it it felt like um it sparked the crowd and the, the crowd then sparked the team and it was that 
that that two way relationship that you know it really just does take that sometimes just to to turn mm. things around. Um, haven't a clue where I am with whether it was or wasn't, as what Mark was saying. Um, <laughs> purely same as you, Patch. You, you fail to know what the rules are from one game one week to the next. Um, yeah, I don't think he intended any of it, but I don't think intent is part of the equation anymore. Mm. Um, you know, it was a swinging arm that it came up onto. So, you know, if there wasn't the deflection off the boot and that was somewhere else on the pitch, you'd be all over it. But yeah. as Matt said, it did come up off the boot. And as you said, yeah, it, it suddenly gave gave the crowd a lift, something to grab hold of. And I think the, the players responded to it. Yeah. 28th minute, uh, Vyman was caught offside after a lovely, round, I'm calling it around the world. It was like a bird bird camp little dink and turn from Alex Scott. Um, which found Benarus and he fed Andy Vyman, but unfortunately he was caught offside. And that was the first sort of glimpse of the Scott Benarus relationship, Matt, that basically forms the thread of the remainder of my notes. They were absolutely fantastic from then on in. Yeah, they were. Their their work rate um, and endeavour. And, and again, you're talking about two, you know, I say about the age, but two lads who are so inexperienced at this level and then when you throw into that, that Alex Scott has probably played very little time in that wing-back role. Um, and yeah, he's, he's going to get caught out um, because of that. But I thought their their desire, their attitude, what I like about Benarus in particular is he is one who looks to look after the ball and plays a pass at the right time. Doesn't always come off, um, but does play it at the right time. So... Yeah, I, I I totally agree. Um, you know, you you messaged me to say you'd be interested to see the ratings. Yeah, I'm really I th- interested. I thought, I thought they were outstanding. Okay, thirty second minute. It's Ben Roos and Scott working well down the right, back to Viner, whose cross is headed by Backinson. Not enough power on that one, but Rob creating a chance and Backinson getting a header on target. I think. Yeah, yeah. Again, good to see the ball going in. Um, my only observation or, or gripe, if you like, was the pace of the, the ball going in um, rather than being whipped in it was more of one of these sort of diagonal floats uh, that required Backinson to you know pretty much pull off a worldy header to generate the power to score whereas of course if you've, if you've got that extra whip on the ball then players can actually run in and meet it and it, it becomes more of a threat well, Rob, uh, it, Rob, that's a fantastic segue into the 34th minute, which I'll let you comment on. S- Scott was nutmegged by Josh Tymon, and an, it was an awesome cross, a whipped cross, a great technique, and Fletcher hits the bar with a header on this one. So that's how you want to see the ball go in, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and that happened quite a few times. My, my frustrations in the first half and, and have been throughout this season is it seems such hard work for us to create chances. And then you immediately, you know, we've, we've spent five minutes and somehow we've engineered something. The team pick up the ball on the break. One, two, three passes, they're in. It goes wide, it gets whipped in. And, and that that's the kind of thing that we should be aspiring to. I think Stoke, in that first half particularly, looked like they had a real pattern and directive to their play and yeah. purpose, I suppose. Um Whereas ours is a bit sort of feely, feely, let, let's see what might happen, mm. as opposed to a real sort of 
clear strategy. So yeah, you're right. That that Whipton cross shows you what it is all about. Okay, 38th minute. First of all, it's great battling from Scott to win the first throw-in, which he takes, and then it's battling his match by Benaroof to win another throw-in in a more advanced position. At this point, I decided that patch cam was the only solution to providing a successful Kalas throw-in. <laughs> I swear to God, that is the first time since the last goal at Reading that Reading, I have yeah. got the camera out and thought, right, this is the one. So I'm taking full credit for this goal. Yep. It was thrown in from Callas, flicked on by Martin, and Backinson pokes it home from six yards. Uh, Matt, the goal was very much needed. Um, great to see Backinson getting into those advanced positions, um, but we're 1-0 up, 38th minute. Yeah, um, I think we've said it before about Ty, haven't we? That he is a midfielder that, that can score goals um, and gets into the positions. I actually thought the Callas throw last night was, was more of a threat. He seemed to be sort of um, winging it in, for want of a phrase, um, and was causing problems. And you've also got to say it was good movement by Martin um, mm. and then the, the sort of flick on. But massive goal, massive goal, because we had been up against it for a lot of that um, and really hadn't shown an awful lot going forward. Um, so, yeah, big goal. And, and it was good to see Ty get on the score sheet. Yeah, absolutely. Rob, a really important goal. And as as Matt said, it's it's like they've obviously difference from the Reading game was it was the first time it had been used and they and they scored off of it. And since then, it's it's been a bit of a, a Marmite um, affair for fans in terms of whether they like it or not, whether it takes too much time, slows down momentum, etc. But uh, it was almost like another one and then you just, because it's gone in, it's sort of given it a little bit more longevity almost. Um, I think you've nailed my exact thoughts. Um, <laughs> uh, at the time, uh, the, the beautiful irony was that at the time I was lambasting the whole long throw. Um, I, was, I was chatting to my mate next to me and said, I, I really don't like this long throw. Really don't like it. You know, fair enough. We'll probably score from it now. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and and lo, lo and behold, we, we did. But I, I don't know, forgive me, I, I didn't actually get as excited as I, you, you know, having seen the struggle for so long, I'd, I'd have thought I'd have, I'd have burst when we scored. But I don't know if I can really get excited about a team that that is that. You know, we, we throw ourselves back to, again, ironically, this started as a Stoke thing all these years ago with Rory yeah. Black. Yeah. I was going to say um, we outstoked Stoke last night. Yeah, yeah. It, it did. It did feel like that, and you know the injury time that we'll come on to later. I can't help but think that a lot of that comes down to this tedious or arduous sort of ball drying that we go through, and <laughs> you know we've talked about it before about taking away the pace and the momentum. So, yeah, it is. it remains Marmite for me. And I did say, well, of course, now we've scored from it. That's secured it for another 20 games. You know, it is, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is like that. The, the, the one question I've got, and I think it's Lee, isn't it, who's the ref expert? Yeah, Lee Poole. Um, I suspiciously, and Matt, you'll be the same because I was in the South Stand as well. Haven't they got to be completely the thrower? Haven't they got to be completely behind the line? Because for me, 
it was almost like Callas was in the penalty area taking it. Well, I know a couple of times, a couple of times his foot, I think part of your foot's got to be touching the line. Right. Um, okay. uh, well, obviously, Lee will let us know whether that's true or not. But um, there was a, one of his throw-ins in the second half, his whole foot was over the line. And you heard the, um, the Stoke fans kick him right off. But Matt, you might be wanting to tell me that your whole foot's got to be behind the line. Yeah, so that was my understanding was the whole foot had to be behind the line. Yeah, and probably right, I, actually. I, I agree that um, there were times with Callas where certainly it felt as he was releasing it, his foot was over the line and Stoke fans were obviously, there was one in the first half in the corner yeah. where the fans were going sort of crazy about well, They it, are the experts after all. Well, exactly. <laughs> they, know, they know what's about, yeah. But okay. yeah, I mean, it's so, it's so quick, isn't it? And as the as the linesman or the, the assistant ref is he looking at his feet or is he having to look to see what's going on? So you yeah, know, I think it's I'm, um, I'm with Rob. I don't like it. Yeah, any any part of your foot over the, the line, I think then it is a foul throw. But how often have we seen foul throws given in this day and age, particularly for those ones that don't motion over their head correctly? They seem to get away with it. Um, into the forty fifth minute. It's a, a Scott corner that falls to Joe Williams on the edge of the box. Sorry, and- just on that front. Yeah. To take the throw in, this is from the FA, the player must face the field of play and have part of each foot touching the ground when they release the ball. While their feet may touch the touch line, they're not allowed to overstep it. Yeah. Otherwise, a foul throw will be called. So basically, your the front of your foot can be on the yeah. on the line. But can't overstep it. But not over. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that cleared up. 45th minute, Scott corner, full to Joe Williams on the edge, whose shot is directed over by Callas. And I think that was a... Um, a slightly sliced shot from Joe Williams and Callas tries to direct it in, but unfortunately it goes over and that takes us into halftime. The halftime summariser is with us, but I'll read it out for you, Rob. Um, We looked better after the goal, but have to say that up until then, we were definitely second best. Stoke much sharper in possession with clear patterns and intent. Really slow start by us, could have conceded twice. The linesman's flag almost also saved us a couple of times. By contrast, we've looked far less fluent until the final stages of the half. Let's just hope we can take the momentum forward uh, for a change, which, um, yeah, I think uh, a lot of us shared that sentiment of knowing the second half performance on Saturday. Um, But, yeah, we'll come on to the second half now and find out if that was the case. Um, 47th minute, another Kalas throw-in with renewed optimism and extra Icelandic hand claps. Uh, it was the same flick on, and it was again Tyreek, but he hits it over this time, Rob. So uh, there's definitely something they've worked on in the training ground. But once you score from it, surely, surely Stoke would be picking up and getting more men on on Chris Martin and Tyreek Backinson. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre because as we said, these were the former masters of of the long throw, so you would think that they'd be quite well drilled. But I suppose that's that's a, a different era. Um, nonetheless, yeah, if something's repeated, surely you you get all over it next time round. Um, mm. We talked about Chris Martin's height not being over six foot, shall we say? So you know, it's it's not like you're throwing it to Aidan Flint or somebody like mm. that. So the fact that he's winning it, and what what's good to see is that it now at least maybe now it seems to have a purpose. And you've got runners and you've got people anticipating where the flick on is. Whereas most of the time, to be honest, is it even beating the first man? Do we actually have a plan or are we 
just getting a bit yeah. giddy because it has worked. At least now it does look a bit more purposeful. I'd, yeah. I'd agree. Okay, into the 60th minute, Matt. Um, and Joe Williams comes across to the touchline to have a conversation with Nigel Pearson. They look up at the clock and see 59 minutes, 60 minutes almost. And Joe basically says, I think I want to I want to come off. Um, and Han Noah stripped down, ready to go. But uh, Joe Williams, although we sort of said about his sort of shaky start mentality-wise, he did grow into the game, but you could just see that... Uh, he didn't have the energy to do what he wanted to do. No, he was still putting himself about, wasn't he? He was still making the tackles. Um, I think it was slightly before. I don't, I don't know who it was that was talking to him at length. Um, it wasn't one of the coaches. So whether it was one of the fitness guys, I don't know. Um, and he seemed to be, I thought he looked like he was sort of pointing at his thigh. But um, I think Nigel said this morning it was his, his hamstring. Um, but it then seemed to take an eternity for, for Han Noah to be warming up and then to then be stripped, and then for the substitution to be made. And I just felt, why are we risking that at all? If Joe Williams has come over and said he's got any kind of discomfort, make the change straight away. Um, I didn't so, see yeah. that. I didn't see that myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who it was. It was a guy sat at the, the back of the dugout at the top. Okay. Um, and he was talking to him at length, and it, it was an, an injury to a Stoke player, and it was a, a breakdown in play. But it was probably a good five, six minutes after that that he mm. then went over against the bench and they then made that decision. So yeah. At, yeah, that, was point, a, at that point, it was all very quick. Um, yes. You know, yeah. Nigel was motioning very yeah. you know, yeah. rapidly to get to get him off. But um, And he, he, just did, sat, he did sit in the dugout, didn't he? So yeah, he, he, he didn't did jog- think it was, you know. Yeah. And he, he jogged off as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that was sort of to sort of prove a point and show that he was okay. So, you know, it's always... It's, Interesting to see what happens um, on Sunday with that one, but yeah. I don't think I don't think he's picked up anything. It's just uh, let's just have a rest. Let's, I think. let's hope not. Yeah. Let's hope. Sixty seventh minute, Scott booked for a studs up tackle. Uh, Rob, how did you see that one? Again, you know, a couple of people near me were saying that could be a red card, but you know, I don't think that the referee sort of took his time and thought about it and went for a yellow. But uh, we've seen it from Scott. A few times, but equally, we like to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I saw a couple of comments that suggested it. He got it all wrong. I was completely side on to it at that time. I, I sort of shifted round the bowl a little bit, seeing as we were attacking the other end. Um, some spare seats. I thought, oh, let's see if I just pop in there. But there were a so spare, spare was, few seats. What's that? Sorry, there were a few spare seats. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, yeah, so I was quite side on to it, sort of round now, sort of on the on the cusp of the, the south and the landstand. Um I didn't see anything wrong with it myself. I, I thought that he'd gone to ground way ahead of arriving at the ball and then took the ball. So if if you like, old school uh sliding challenge coming from the front, you know, there's no from the side, from the back, or anything like that. Um, and it was an aggressive tackle. So, you know, you remember we got excited about George Tanner's tackle against Fulham? Big tackle. Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, no different. Matt? Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those where because he goes in kind of almost on his knee and the, and his foot's, it wasn't studs up, but because of his, his sort of momentum his foot then kind of carries on through. Uh, and Rob sort of said it there, the, the, the kind of aggressive tackle. You, you just can't do it. 
you know, re- referees are going to give a free kick for it. I, I didn't think in any way it was a red card, but um, I listened to Radio Bristol last night and I think Ian Gay sort of said that, that he thought it was. To be fair, a mate of mine who watched it on TV messaged me straight away and said that could have been a red. Um, so, yeah. Need to watch that back. Yeah. Okay, um, 75th minute, Callum Dowda gets wide, didn't get wide enough for me in the second half, especially with that guy on a booking that was marking him. Um, but he does get down the line, he does get a crossover, and it's a, a diving header from Chris Martin, which he just doesn't connect with. Um, and that was unfortunate, Matt, on that occasion, that uh, that's the one you sort of expect a man like Chris Martin to get on the end of and bury. It's funny, I actually thought we got Callum forward more in the second half than the first really? half. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that passage of play, I think there was like three or four crosses, none of which other than the Martin one sort of beat the first man, really. Where, where I was in the south stand, couldn't see whether Martin was close to it or Pretty close. if it was just a, sort a token of, dive or what. Yeah, but. no, he just sort of didn't make the, the momentum forward of his head at the right time, really. For all our for all our listeners, Patch is then doing a, a, a very visual diving header there. I'm, I'm going to need a. I'm going to need yeah, a head, watch that neck. A neck massage after this. <laughs> but yeah, That's I it. actually thought I, again. I, I thought Callum um, grew into it, and I just don't think he was given the. He wasn't given the, he didn't ball get the ball enough. enough. But I just felt that he was going. He was driving forward more yeah. last night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Seventy um, eighth minute. Ben and Scott still causing problems. Great ball retention. Um, we'll, we'll come on to that again later, but I just thought that they were gliding through the game at their own pace, um, uh, which, you know, as, as I said, 18 years old is, 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 is awesome. Are we, are we calling him Ben now then? I was going yeah. to say, I was trying to think who, who the, <laughs> are, we, who the are we giving him nicknames now? Or, or Benji there, he was. <laughs> well, so... I've got a bit of a predicament with with making these notes because I I'm I'm starting to miss little crucial bits of the game. I bet you are. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm so I'm ris- I'm writing now in like the shortest hand, and sometimes <laughs> I might I might forget to make it longhand. Um, actually bumped into someone yesterday at the Hen and Chicken. They said, "How do you how do you make the notes during the game?" And I said, "Well, with difficulty." Yeah, but yeah. there we go. So Ben, yeah, Ben and Scott still causing problems. Right, eighty fourth minute, Atkinson for Baker. What did you? Matt, did you see what happened there? Because it was a dangerous attack for Stoke. Um, yeah. And it was a coming together with Baker, Bentley um, and Callas and probably even someone else there. But again, you, it was a dangerous move. You almost yeah. thought, here we go. This is this is the equaliser. But it gets cut out. But Baker comes out of it worse. It seemed as though he and Dan Bentley collided in that little melee. Um I, I don't know whether it was his back, whether it was his his knee um, or his thigh, because he seemed to be stretching that. But as I say, and it is a bit, I am being a bit facetious when I say it, but as soon as he was led there, I thought, that's it, he's, he's gone. Um, he's not going to come back on. So, but yeah, it was a, a we, we just didn't, well, we defended well, but it was last ditch defending when, because it was a straightforward ball over the top. Mm. And that was the bit for me last night. And a, a lot of it was at, at the South Stand End. The Stoke forwards were making some fairly straight runs, and yet yeah. we just weren't picking the ball sort of behind. The number of and times so they, there was that straight yeah, through ball. It's um, like they've not really done anything here. It's just a straight run with mm. pace. Um, you know, and you look at it and you thought, "Crikey, what I would give to have two mobile centre forwards who were making runs in the right areas." Whereas for me, um, obviously, mobility from from Chris Martin isn't his strength. 
and Andy Vine, when I think, makes a lot of wasted runs, whereas I thought their forwards last night were running with real real intent. But mm. yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was a clash with um, with Bent. I I think it was. It- if anything, an impact injury, but it was a little bit of gamesmanship. Um, obviously, they paid the price with nine minutes injury time, but uh, for me, I think Baker will be will be okay for that one. Um, and also, it was great to get Atkinson on the pitch for a few minutes as well. Um, 89th minute, Calamo Dowder comes off and Campering comes on. I, 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 my view on that was he was brought on to sort of manage the threat of uh, Tom Mintz coming on and the uh, the extra sort of pace that he brought. Oh, Dowder was injured. Was he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. He, yeah, I, I watched him right at the top end, and uh, he sort of bent down. And yeah, it was a, it was a, a substitution because of Odada. I mean, it's probably a good tactical one as well. But yeah, mm. he was okay. He was All right. Well, interesting to see what happens there. Eighty ninth minute, Benarus clever play wins a corner. Um, so he was down in the Atio Dolman corner, and it was a lovely back heel into the path of I think Chris Martin, which uh, which is cut out for a corner, but. That sort of that sort of play is great to see. Uh, really clever. Um, the crowd at this point are whipped up in, into an absolute frenzy. There was the the classic chance of "Come on, you Reds!" and it was literally the whole ground, I think, cheering on at that point. Ninetieth uh, minute, Stoke break and it's narrowly wide. Viner was caught out. Ninety fourth minute, Benarus or Ben wins a free kicks. Lots of free kicks, actually, at this point. 96 wins another free kick and the second yellow for uh, the Stoke player, and he gets Joe sent Allen, off. Yep. yep, Joe Allen, of course. I think he's uh, been sent off against us before, Joe Allen. <laughs> has he? Sure he has, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then 98th minute, uh, a Benarus block. So literally chasing the game down, seeing the game out, um, and it's a 1-0 win. Uh, the only disappointment for me at the end was didn't get a chance to sort of give Dean Holden the reception. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame, but Nigel Pearson did, did hang around. They did stay on the pitch and clap, clap them all off. So yeah. Yeah. There we go. Catch a few, a few things sort of as you went through that, that have reminded me of quite, quite a lot of the things I was thinking yesterday. Um, first of all, Matt touched on it. The, almost the balls, not through the channels necessarily, but behind the channels. Mm. Um, and whilst appreciating the fact that we weren't sat back deep, we did seem to get exposed an awful lot in behind. And like you say, straight passes, you know, down the inside right, down the inside left, which was a bit concerning for me. And in a weird way, it reminded me of um, back in the Cottrell days when we'd gone up into the championship and sides used to continually pick us off behind the wing backs, and I and I just wonder, you know, I know there's quite a few people that like this wing back system, but I don't see us having any real pace in that back three, and therefore, if we do get turned in, sort of down the wide, you know, turned around down the wider positions, is that going to be, you know, the new area, if you like, that sides are going to think, well, hold on, let let's play it down, as I said, down the channels or in behind the wing backs, and that's where we're going to get some joy. Yes, good point. Um, do you think? Do you think uh, coming to you, Matt, that Bentley needs to be a little bit quicker off his line if that's going to c- keep happening? Yeah, some some I've said for a while this season, isn't it? He does seem to. I mean, there was one ball that got played over where you just sort of thought, just mm. just go and collect it, go and catch it, and and he he went to go, 
and then retreated back. And then um, I don't know if they had a shot or cross that came across. But yeah, I do. I do. I think he needs to. But, you know, I also credit to Stoke. I mean, the, the midfielders were finding the ball, um, but their their forwards are also making those runs. Um so there's a, there's a credit to them, but I'm I'm with Rob. I was amazed at just how many times we got exposed by it, um, and even in the second half there was one ball that was just just really a ball over the top that, that Zach Viner got caught all ends up, you know, just didn't read it. Yeah. Um, so we defended well, but again, I think we did get away with it. Now I did rattle through that last sort of five or six minutes because <clears throat> we are on a 16 minute warning now, Matt, for uh, for nine o'clock when we've we got are, meetings yeah. and things. So I'm going to come to you for the ratings now. Yes. Okay. Um, so it's an interesting one because <laughs> unusually we've had a good first half, you know, in the past and a poor second half where it's gone gone the other way really. So I don't I don't want to go over the top with it. Um, but I did find a few of them a little bit difficult. So I'm, I'm expecting not necessarily challenges, but an agreement as to what we go with. So, yeah. Um, so Dan Bentley, I've gone seven. I mean, he's kept a clean sheet. Um, I think he did get a hand to the the second Stephen Fletcher headed it at the bar. Um, and then obviously smothered a couple in the second half. Uh, made another good save, as Rob said early on, with his, his strong right hand after the Joe Williams. So um, I went seven for, for Dan Bentley. Um Zach Viner, I've gone seven, and I actually thought that there was a point in the game where he was my man of the match, um, and then he, he he lost concentration a couple of times, as I said, was sort of fairly straight balls over the top. But I I thought he was he was pretty decent, but then there's always the bit of me as well that they are there to defend, and I get that, but also sometimes we don't help ourselves in. So yeah that that's probably the first one i've I've kind of gone seven and then I'm thinking, but should it be a six so I think it was I, it definitely wasn't more than a seven but yeah i'd I'd be thinking more of a six um you you mentioned he got caught out uh, so that might have been a separate incident I also remember one of those straight balls that he seemed slow to go to the header and was miles off the guy doing the flick on and then it went in behind. You know, so it might not have even been him being slow, but it was he to to chasing it. It was almost like he was slow to that first ball, and I and I think he's got that in him. He seems to just have these moments where he switches off, or he's a bit slow to engage. Um, so for me, yeah, I'd, I'd be thinking more of a six of Viner. Um, I'll, I'll stick with a seven. I think Matt. Sorry, sorry, Rob. I can completely see where you where you're going with that, but. It, it, again, it's a clean sheet. It's an above expected performance for me. Um, and I think uh, the confidence that he'll take from that going into, again, the next game of getting that clean sheet as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with a seven, Matt. So overall. Um, then I've gone Nathan Baker. Um, and I think I've done the same for Thomas Callas. So I've gone two seven. So I've given the back three. Um, well, and Bentley, the, the, the sort of back four, if you like them from that point of view, all sevens. Um, I did think Bakes played very well again, but again, a little bit like with Zach Viner. Um, mm. You know, I, I did think he got caught out with the, the ball over. When you look it back, I'm, the, the, the Stephen Fletcher, the first header, I'm thinking, why, why have you turned your back and you're running? It's almost as if it's going out of play and, and you've not followed it. But I did think... Um, as I said, they they defended like they wanted to keep the ball out of the net. So yeah, for for both those, I went sevens. Matt, where, where's the um, just play devil's advocate? Mm. 
Where, where's the culpability then? Because I know we're going to move on to the midfield shortly. Yeah. And we're talking about the number of these channel passes that are getting yeah. through and in behind the defence. Where, where's the culpability? Is it is it the midfield? Is it the defenders? Because it's yeah. as we mentioned, we could have been several goals down potentially at half-time and then these wouldn't be sevens. No, so is, there, I, is, there, is there bad finishing giving these defenders sevens? Uh, so I think that's absolutely a fair shout. Um, and I think, yeah, it easily could be down to that. I also think as well as both Odeda and Scott played, I think we got caught out a little bit there. Um, I think when, when you're defending, you need to defend as the five. And I think a lot of the time we weren't doing that. Uh, or some of the time, not a lot of the time. Um, and I also think sometimes it was too easy through the midfield. Um, so, but but all of those, and again, like I sort of said at the start, I, I'm not a, averse to saying, actually, it was a six. I don't, I think with a clean sheet, it's harsh to go below that because that's what we'd expect. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, Rob. I think um, we'd be having a completely different conversation and probably going fours and fives if Stoke had taken the chances that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think. But in terms of your culpability, I think it's both. I think it's the defence and and also the midfield. So yeah, I went I went seven because I'd gone that with Zach and mm -hmm. thought that Baker and and Callas were the same. Um, it could easily have been three sixes, but yeah. Keep going, Matt. Um, then I've gone. Don't jump to go the strikers. Callum, no, I'll go Callum Dada. It's because <laughs> of the way I've got my spreadsheet because I've done the spreadsheet based on the players that played. But um, so Callum Dada. I thought I had a quiet first half. Um, defensively, again, was was okay. And then I think he got into it in the second half. Um, again, I've done this early this morning and I went seven for him because I did think going forward, he got on the ball far more in the second half and, and did sort of create anything. If I'm honest with you, and then looking at it going, but actually other than probably that Chris Martin ball, did he create? enough quality you know he hit the first man a couple of times so uh, he's another one that could easily be a six I, I I don't think he was as good as he was on Saturday for me I don't think he he didn't demand the ball enough particularly with that chap being booked so I I would probably be a six but um Rob I'd, got the... I'd yeah I'd go seven uh I'd actually obviously I didn't see him Saturday but the Calamo Dowder I saw last night versus Calamo Dowder early in the season yeah, so I did seen see an improvement. Yeah, he was significantly improved, and and noticeably, um, I know Pearson was applauding a lot of his stuff very visibly last night. Good. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably swing towards a seven. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, then I'll go Alex Scott. Um, Again, a, a kind of difficult one with Alex, and I don't want to go over the top, but you can fail to sort of recognise the energy that he was putting in. Um, he probably didn't do as much in the forward sort of momentum last night as he did the weekend. This is why um, I'm saying this can be really interesting for the Scott and Benaroo yeah, ratings because yeah. they are forward players. They didn't yeah. get any assists and didn't yeah. score, yeah. but but their all-round performance was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, my, the score I've given both of them um, was eight okay. um, because I did think that their energy set that tone. Again, that's probably a little bit, because I did it sort of at past six this morning, um, a little bit maybe over the top because it was a win, because they're young. But as I've thought about it, and actually listening to comments last night and, and a couple in, in the, the WhatsApp group this morning, 
I think generally everybody seems to think that those two were the standout performers. Mm. Um, and I did just think that, yeah, as I said, with Alex Scott and, and in particular, um, I'm in Benarus, who, who was my man of the match, Benarus. Um, I thought the, the pair of them set that tone. It could be two sevens. I went two eights. I, if Benarus would have got an assist or a goal, then he'd be a nine. You're going nine, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. But you're right. I don't know how we can give a nine when there's then as an attacking player, there's no assists or or goals. Yeah, or or even shots on goal, really. Yeah. So um, so yeah. yeah, I think eight is eight is the highest you can probably go. Um, yeah. Rob, we've only got eight minutes left, and we've got a bit to get through. But just agree, yes or no, with two eights. Um, I wouldn't have on Scott, but I don't think he's in his right position. Okay, right. Okay. Two two eights it is. Uh, Backinson. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'll go Joe Williams first. Joe okay. Williams, I thought, had a quiet game. Um, I think, mm. again, looked like he was carrying something, so I went a six for Joe. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. Tyreek, I thought, grew, excuse me, grew into it. Again, a midfielder who gets opportunities. He scored the goal. I went seven because I did, in the first half an hour, I felt he was quite... Um, all Labored. the things I don't like about Tyreek, yeah. Um, so that's why I went seven. Okay. Yeah, could could again could make a could case have, for an could eight, have been an eight, century. yeah, because he got the goal, yeah, um, and seven. then the front. I think it's just the front two left. Yeah, Vyman Martin. Um, really difficult. I, I went two sixes because I thought they they worked hard. I don't know that they work hard um, in the right areas. Sometimes I think Andy Vyman wastes wastes a lot of energy closing down needless ball. Um, neither really did anything in terms of shots on goal. Well, Martin got Martin got right. the assist. He got the assist, yeah. But yeah. as you say, Weiman, I probably would agree with you. And Weiman and Martin, because he got the assist, is okay with a six. But yeah. Weiman's probably the only one that I would maybe say a five because six is the expected performance, yeah. an assist, a goal, um, a chance. I don't think Weiman had any of those. And obviously, I'm not slagging him off because no, he's, no, no. he's he, our engine he, room, etc. But he put the shift in, so we'll let Rob go on that one. Yeah, yeah well, definitely. I thought the shift, he was still going deep in injury time, absolutely chasing people down. Yeah. My, my um, takeaway from Martin, actually, I thought he was winning an awful lot. Yes, I, I actually thought we had a decent game, Martin, yesterday. Okay. Uh, Vyman, five or six, Rob? Six. Okay, six. So okay. the average, 6.9. Yeah. It was 6.54 on Saturday. So we're going in the right direction, Matt. We are, yeah. And for Nige, I went seven. We got a win. Um, it was back to the wall. He, he kept the same sort of squad or same team. Could have been a six, but I think with the win, I'll give him a little bit of credit. So we'll go seven. Okay. A uh, couple of tweets to get through. Uh, one from Mark Lerwell. Watch the game on BN Sports in Qatar. Uh, at least I got to see Witty City win live on TV. It was worth staying up for. I thought it was a good fighting performance from City. Hope the Sheffield United game is on BN Sports also. Um, we've got a tweet in from uh, Chris. Um Oh, yeah. Chris was saying, I suppose you guys are going to take credit for that win for saying in the last show that nothing ever comes from the long throws. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Because it was the fan cam that did it. Um, Rob Collins, blimey, that was a hard fought win. This championship is, is a nonsense. <laughs> Seven points between seventh and 18th. Still don't understand why Han Noah Masengo is not starting alongside Joe Williams. But I'll bow to Nigel Pearson's judgment if it delivers three points at home. 
Um, uh, Nigel Mitchell, bright start to the second half. City playing higher up the pitch. Young Guns and Baker putting it about. Good to see. Strong period from Stoke, then City's turn. Back on the front foot. Masengo's in the thick of it. Then it was squeaky bum time with nine minutes and then the victory. Um, so, yeah, keep the comments coming in um, on the Twitter at 3PIAPC. So off to Sheffield United on uh, Sunday. Um, just very quickly, Rob, do you envisage a change in formation personnel? And obviously we've got a couple of knocks, but uh, how, how do you go for that one? I'd say definitely not in formation. I, I, I think you've you've got to build this continuity and get, give the formation a chance. It's not necessarily my first choice, but you know we're we're getting results at the moment, so let's stick with that for now. Um, personnel, I'm sure there's going to be changes, whether it's en- whether it's energy saving or injuries or a combination of the two. I think you'll probably find two or three changes. Okay, Matt, for you. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to make two or three changes because I think, we, as I say, you've got to manage these players through. Um, so maybe but you've got had... Masengo to come in for yeah, maybe Hanoa coming in, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Atkinson to come in for maybe Baker, yeah. depending on how he is. Yeah, uh, absolutely. If Callum's injured or Campering. not ready, you've got Campering to come yeah. in. So, so we have got options for those three players in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. Actually, the Hanoa one was interesting because I watched back on Quest the wrestling match for the corner, um, which yeah, I, I Oliver Langford didn't give a penalty for that. It was incredible. But, oh so. yes, yeah, he sort of took him, yeah. tackled him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, incredible. But, but yeah, we, we've got we've that. got options there. So yeah, when was that incident? What what sort of stage? Of the it game was, was that? in the um, second half. I don't know at what minute. Um, okay. I mean, we're, obviously, Masengo. Yeah, Masengo had come on, hadn't he? But I mean, it, yeah. when you look at it, he's been his shirt's been tugged as well. But mm. um, they made reference on Quest the fact that he didn't at any stage look at the ball, which was true. But that's modern defending, isn't it? Quite often they don't. It's just the man. Absolutely right. We'll leave it there, chaps. Um, we've hit eight fifty nine, so we'll let we'll let everyone go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we'll be back. Sunday night, I reckon, because we'll be, you know, hopefully home by six, seven o'clock. So uh, we might be able to squeeze yeah, it in there. Twelve thirty kickoff, isn't or it, yeah. maybe even do it on the way home. I'm just waiting to hear back from Joe Rourke. Joe, if you're listening, get in touch. If you want to do the podcast, we'll wait for you and we'll do it when we get home. If not, we'll do it on the way home. So let us know. Um, but for now, thanks for listening, everybody. Cheers, Rob. Cheers, Matt. All the best, boys. Cheers, fellas. Ta-da. Bye for now. Bye.